Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. Our mission is simple, to see people, love people, enrich people, and launch people. We believe that not only is this mission statement for our church, but God's progression of faith in your life as well. We pray today's message is an encouragement for you to shine a light in your home and in your city. So if you're new with us, or if if it's been a while, again, my name is Drew Winters. I'm the pastor of this church. So grateful that you are here. And we're in week two of a brand new theme just titled Where God Leads. All we're doing is we're looking at the places that not just our, not necessarily that our choices uh, force us at, but actually the specific places where God leads. And I didn't necessarily plan on how I was going to take today's message Uh, Last week, I was going to move on, but uh, after just kind of the response and the feedback that I heard Sunday, as well as just some really good conversation in my rad group on Monday night, I just very very much felt prompted to, to continue on right in the same passage of where we were at last week and uh, just kind of add to it, and then we'll move on next week. So just very quickly, let me go ahead and just give you the two scriptures, or two sets of scriptures from last week, and just review them, and then we'll make application for this week as well. So Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says this, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. This is the overarching scripture of this entire theme The Lord directs the steps of the godly. If we're following him, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that he's perfect. And if we keep our focus right where it belongs on who he is, step by step, day by day, moment by moment, season by season, on where he is leading, he is going to direct our steps. We're not wandering aimlessly. So with that in mind, let's take a look at a group of people, the nation of Israel, that God had a moment where he directed them to a specific place. It's found in Exodus chapter 15, backstory, the nation of Israelite, the Israelite, (laughs) the nation of Israel, they were slaves for many, 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 many years. And God finally, for his promise and through his servant Moses, set them free. They leave Egypt, cross the Red Sea, and this is where God led them. Starting with verse 22. Said that Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There, the Lord issued a ruling instruction for them and put them to the test. And he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs, 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Last week, We very much just went through a progression of what does it mean when God leads you intentionally to a place that's bitter, to a place with difficulty, 
We very much sing of the faithfulness of God. We very much sing of the goodness of God. And all of that is true, but that does not mean that following him is always easy. That does not mean that following him is always something that's going to feel good. The same Jesus Christ who we see in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who had performed incredible miracles and brought his disciples who were following him to incredible places, was also the same Jesus that at one point looked at them and said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. And as they were going, based on Jesus' orders, a storm came up. And so here was Jesus that not only knew that the storm was going to take place, he knew what he was asking his disciples to do by getting in the boat, but he also knew how he was going to even perform that to show his glory and that they would make it to the other side. And so we looked at last week that here's God who is leading the nation of Israel with a cloud by day and fire by night. You want to talk about step-by-step direction? How about waking up on your commute to work tomorrow morning and there's a cloud from God that says, this way, come on, follow me. And then when you go to bed, it's it's, uh, it's fire by night. Hey, here's here's what you're supposed to do. I mean, you can't make it more obvious than that, right? But yet he led him to a place that was full of disappointment. He led him to a place they'd been searching for water for three days, still couldn't find it and come to a place that They finally feel like they have water to drink, and nope, it's unfit to drink. And so it was bitter, and they called the place bitter. We talked last week about where God leads bitterness, but I want to delve a little bit more into not just the what, but most importantly, if we're going to talk about bitterness, if we're going to rip the Band-Aid off that unsaid thing that sometimes all of us deal with at certain times, and specifically, where's God in all of it? I think we also need to talk about the cure. Today's message is titled, Where God Leads the Cure for Bitterness. Because hidden in this passage is not only a place that God led them to, but was also a place that God provided an incredible cure as well. And for the person here today, you would say, I'm bitter. I'm more than just overwhelmed. There's just a lot going on. Or maybe you're on the verge of being bitter. That's what we talked about in our RAD group is how much bitterness can take root. It's something that can start off as disappointment or anger or frustration, and it can take root, and that's when it becomes bitter. And so maybe today's message is if you're bitter, here's the cure, or if you're right there at the verge of it, how not to let it take root. And so a couple of practical, practical steps from the passage that we just read for bitterness. Let's take a look at it. The first one is this, is that The cure for bitterness, be careful what you call it. Be careful what you call it. It said, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. Isn't it amazing how, as humans, we have a tendency to what we experience in one part, we want to let define everything. I'm going to say that again. Isn't it amazing how as humans, what we experience in part, we have the temptation and the tendency to want to define that as everything. This place 
was a place as they had begun to search for water, could not find it for three days and come to a place that's unfit to drink. They called it exactly what their disappointment was. But they could have called it anything. They could have looked through the lens of faith and instead of calling the entire region, the entire place, the entire region where they were camping, instead of calling it Mara, they could have called it something else. Why not call it potential? Why not call it disappointed but holding on? Why not call it I don't understand what God's doing, but he just led me through the Red Sea a couple of days ago, and he's not going to fail me now. Why not call the place disappointing but rehearsing? You ever been there? You ever been in a moment where you're disappointed and you have a choice, either that disappointment is going to define everything else around it, almost like poison does to an entire plant system, Or instead, are you going to say, I'm disappointed right now, but I'm downloading. I'm rehearsing what God's done because I'm not going to let this define us. You know, you may be going through a season of loss, but that does not mean that all is lost. You may be going through a moment where you feel, where you feel abandoned. But that does not mean that all is abandoned and that you are to abandon all. You may be going through a moment of confusion, but that does not mean that there is not a plan. But what we want to do is we want to take one thing and we want to, to, we want to define it. And we got to be careful because if we let that, if we define that, it could become our identity. And I'll prove it how it could potentially come your identity because after, after Moses threw the wood in the water and it became fit to drink and they moved on, they never renamed the place. They never called it what it was. They went to this place, saw water unfit to drink, and they said, all there is, bitterness. And when God came through, not one person went back and said, we need to rename this. We need to redefine this. And every generation after that looked back and said, that was a place of bitterness. And no one caught it for what it really was. How many times will we define a season in our life based on halfway part of the sentence without letting God come in and finish the story? Be careful what you call it. Your kids are going to hear what you call it. Your friends and neighbors are going to hear what you call it. Your workplace environment is going to hear what you call it. Don't be, you don't want to be that person. How about this? You ever been around that person that 40 years ago had that one thing that happened and they still call it that one thing as opposed to talking about the end of the story? Could it be that the same bitterness that they were experiencing, they didn't redefine it and rename it is because the bitterness had taken root in them? Maybe they didn't want to redefine it because why would they want to redefine it when it wasn't about the water, it was about them? What is it that you have in your life that's disappointing? And I'm not saying that it's not real. I'm not saying that. I'm not discounting your struggles. I'm not discounting your tears at night. I'm not discounting your questions at all. But 
At the end of the day, we only have a couple of choices really available to us in this life. And one of the choices, one of the freedoms that God allows us and grants us and gives us is we can define what we see. Because see, he's going to be faithful. His word says that he's going to work all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Nothing's wasted. He sees all. He's going to restore all. We know a God who can take ashes and turn them into beauty, who can take mourning and turn it into dancing. We know the God of the turnaround, but what he's wanting to see is while we are waiting for the turnaround, what are we going to call it? What are we going to define it? What are we going to name it? Maybe there's some people here, you need to rename what you've called this thing. You need to define it as something different. You need to define it. Don't let your emotions define it. That's my biggest temptation is my, my emotions want to define it sometimes. Sometimes I've got to give something about 24 to 36 hours before, before I really define it because in the moment I want, I want to define something as something else when I, 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 need, I need to get my emotions under control, right? Or is it just me? And so I think there's some people in here you really need to define it, redefine it, because God's going to be faithful. Y'all with me? Is this good so far? I got a man. I I got I got I got punched in the spiritual face. I ain't gonna lie as I was putting this together. So here we go. So I've been challenged all week. Now I get to return the favor. Hey, here we go. Point number two. Point concern in the right direction. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, "What are we to drink?" You know. Why, why didn't they pray? I mean, we're, we're talking about a people, we're, we're, I, I, I kid you not, who God freed them from slavery and just a couple of days later had just walked through dry land with hundreds upon hundreds of feet of water sky high as a wall that God had miraculously parted the Red Sea and they walked through that. And that was in their recent history. And here they are, they knew God. They had seen God. They had seen him work. And so all of a sudden, when they come to a place of disappointment, instead of going to the person that could help them, and or even bringing their complaints and concerns to, they went to the easiest target. Why is it that what's really going on in, inside of us will take out on the person that's closest to us? Ooh, I just said that one. Man, what, what, why, is it, what, why is it if we're frustrated with how our boss treats us at our job, we'll, we'll, we'll take out our disappointments and frustrations or whatever on, on our spouse who didn't do it. We'll come home, grumpy mood, won't help do the dishes. Our spouse will look at us and say, what, what's, what's going on with you? Nothing. Man, that, that wife didn't do nothing to you. It's, it's an issue with the boss. If you're frustrated with your kids and their actions, don't take it out on the people at work. They didn't do nothing to you. We have a tendency to not want to take our concerns to the person or the people 
that's really we're concerned with. We just want the easiest route with who's nearest. And that's what the people did with Moses. Instead of calling an entire prayer meeting and saying, wait a minute, God hasn't failed us before. He's not going to fail us now. We need to pray and see what's going on. Instead, they said, he'll fix it. (laughs) He better fix it because it was easy. And y'all, I'm going to tell you, the part of the cure for bitterness is to take ownership for your part. So often we want other people to fix things and God's wanting to reveal what needs to be fixed in us. Yeah, Moses was in the boat with him. Moses was in the trench. I'm sure he was just as thirsty as they were. I'm sure he was just as disappointed as they were. But why in that moment did it 100% become Moses' job to fix every bit of that? Was there not one person in the millions of people there outside of Moses that could have said, Hey, guys, I think we're taking this complaint to the wrong person. Why don't we all take a moment, let's pray, and let's see what God says. But instead, it was on him. One of the byproducts of people who are bitter is a a lack of ownership and a whole lot of blame. And I know it hurts because when when we're hurting, we're, we're looking for an outlet. We're looking for someone to blame so we can feel better. But that doesn't excuse the ownership that we have to take. And if we continue with that pattern, how many, again, there's nothing worse than meeting somebody and all they do is excuses and excuses and excuses. I had a conversation with my son yesterday, last night actually, and I was just, well, he wasn't necessarily in trouble or whatever, but he and I were just talking through some things about what it means to be a man. And he was walking through me a scenario. And every time in the scenario, I kept on asking him the question, okay, cool, buddy, I understand what happened, but, but what part did you own? What, 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 part, what part, what choices did you make? And finally, I just looked at him and I said, I love you. I said, you got to stop giving me a sales pitch, man. I said, who do you think you get that incredibly sharp intellect that comes out in your words from? Kim? I mean, Kim's incredibly smart, don't get me wrong, or whatever, but the sales pitch, you get that from me, man. I said, I see it. I know it. I said, buddy, I said, this isn't about the thing that we're talking about. This is about you learning to take ownership and being honest. I said, "If if you'll learn to do that, you'll grow. If you'll make excuses, you will never reach the potential of what God's deposited in you. I'm going to love you either way, but I'm not going to sit here and stand by you and just watch you make excuses. It ain't going to happen. How many times does God lovingly do that with us? But yet it's always somebody else's fault, isn't it? <laughs> Ooh, I better move on before people get mad. All right, number three, what, pe- what people aren't willing to do, you must. Let's talk about ownership. What people aren't willing to do, you must. The entire nation of Israel was grumbling. Million people were grumbling. And it didn't solve the problem, did it? If grumbling could solve the problem and make the water sweet, God would have answered that prayer. But one person looked at everybody else and said, well, that's what they're doing. It ain't working. Let me do something different. And said, then Moses cried out to the Lord. Moses humbled himself. Moses looked at what the entire culture 
what millions of people were doing right there in that desert, in that moment. And he said, well, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. And he got on his face, so he cried out to the Lord. He said, God, you've got to show me what's going on. And if we're going to have ownership, if we're going to have the cure for bitterness, I'll tell you, it's got to start. We cannot take our cues from what other people do. We can't raise our kids and solve the problems with our children based on what everybody else does with their children. Yes, community is great. Having someone to talk to is wonderful. But there comes a time where you, you, can, you can gain wisdom and learn from some of the experiences of others. But more importantly, you can't look and say, well, they do it this way and they do it this way, so that's how I've got to do it. You've got to make the choice. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to get before my God, and I'm going to seek him, and we're going to figure out this problem. Can't read a book about how to solve every problem. Can't have a podcast on how to solve every problem. You've got to get before God and say, you know me by name. You know my circumstance. What do I do? And it's only when you do that is he's going to reveal. How many times are we waiting for God to reveal what to do next? And he's waiting for us to stop doing what everybody else does. God ain't talking to me. I've been, I've been praying for years. I, I've, I, you know, I, I've kind of, you know, I've just waiting and I'm waiting. Have you really said, God, I'm going to block out the noise. Could you imagine this moment? Could you imagine the noise of this moment? We, we talk about the noise in our culture. Try a million people screaming at you for water. Try hearing the babies cry for lack of water and the mama's looking at you going, it's on you. The pressure of that moment, and Moses said, just give me a second. Oh, God, if you don't do nothing, these mamas going to kill me. And y'all, we got we to gotta take a point where whatever it is that we are bitter about or whatever it is that we are disappointed about that a root of bitterness could potentially take place, you can't do what anybody else does. You can't just go with the flow. You've got to seek him. And when you do that, final thing, cure for bitterness is that what God reveals, he expects action on. I never saw this before until this. I said, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. I don't know if y'all caught it. I've read this passage a million times over. I never saw it until then. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. Did the Lord tell him specifically what to do after he showed him the piece of wood? I've never seen that before. I always assumed that in this moment, here's how it went down. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to tell you how, how Drew's Mystery Science Theater 3000 mind works when it comes to, when it comes to revealing this, uh, the, you know, kind of, kind of mentally playing out this scene. I imagine that Moses went into a tent and that he prayed and that God said, I want you to take this piece of wood and then I want you to do this. I want you to flick it with your wrist almost like a Frisbee, like, um, you know, and kind of maybe combine it with a chef's kiss, like, 
Ah, like that, like, like it was this detailed of instructions. I want it to be this size wood because, you know, there's a lot of pieces of wood out there or whatever. I want to be this size with this flick of the wrist. And then I want you to wait 15 seconds. And then I want you to go, ah, like I thought it was that detailed. And I went and I looked back at the original Hebrew text about what it means for that word showed. Like surely, surely there's something lost in English translation here. What does showed mean? And surely, I looked it up. Showed in ancient Hebrew means showed, revealed. Like, oh God, what do you want me to do? There's a stick. Oh God, what do you want me to do? There's a stick. And I'm going, and I'll be honest, as I'm preparing for this this week, I'm going, God, you... You didn't even tell him what to do with it. Like, I mean, what's he supposed to do? Take up the stick and start beating people with it? Like, defend himself for what? I mean, you know, I mean, seriously, what? Are, I mean, is he supposed to come out and announce it? Hey, guys, I got a stick. Woo! What's that? I mean, you just showed it to him. But kudos to the faith of Moses for saying, God, if you revealed it, I got to do something with it. And just through some measure of faith, God, God shows him the stick, and he just says, well, if you showed it to me, maybe that needs to interact with the thing that's better. What incredible faith to connect. God, you showed this to me. This must interact with the thing that's better. You showed it to me. This is the out. You showed it to me, this is my exit. You showed it to me, I've got to put it to use. It's got to interact with what's better. How many times has God revealed to us what we need to do? But he didn't necessarily give every single detail or step, and we just don't do anything with it. Because we're waiting, well, God... You, you should have showed us. You should have showed me more. Nope. If God revealed it to you, that it's time to get out of that job that you hate so much. Don't expect Him to reveal the next step of four, five, three, two, and one of all that linear path until you take the first step on what He showed you. If God has showed you that that toxic relationship that you're thinking about marrying, and he has said no, don't expect him to reveal Mr. or Mrs. Right until you take the first step of God. You revealed this. This person ain't my forever. Let me at least start walking toward it. But so often, God will reveal something, but because it doesn't have included with it an entire laundry list detailed instructions, and what's going to happen at the end. Moses didn't know what was going to happen when he threw the stick in the water because God didn't tell him. He, I'm sure he felt like a fool. All he knew was, I prayed about it. God showed me this stick and flick. Hope I'm not a big dummy. 
And I often wonder if the cure for bitterness is less about solving the thing that we're bitter about and more about God unleashing faith inside of us. God didn't give him instructions. It said that he flew, he flung the, he flung the stick into the water. He could have just as easily touched the water with the stick. He could have just as easily taken the stick and slowly laid it in the water. It wasn't about that. What it was about was about being obedient when God reveals in part, knowing that step by step by step by step along the way as we are faithful, we're going to see his plan revealed. God knows what he wants to do. He's waiting for us to be obedient at step one before step two is revealed. How many times in my faith, how many times in your faith, have we been disappointed and have we shaken our fist at God because he didn't give us every step. He just gave us the one and we feel cheated and slighted. What God reveals, he expects action on. What God shows, he wants you to be faithful with. What God tells you, longs for you to take steps on. That's what faith is. I mentioned Jesus and his, and his disciples early on. And the truth is, is that there came a moment for one of his disciples named Simon Peter. Here's Jesus and he's walking on the water, winds and the waves. I mean, they are just absolutely horrible. And Peter, Simon Peter sees him and says, hey, Jesus, if that's not really you, tell me I can walk on the water. And Jesus says, come on. He didn't tell him that he would make it. He didn't tell him how many steps he'd be able to take. He just said, take the first one. And it said that Peter took the first step out of the boat. And that was solid. And the next step out of the boat was solid. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one, step by step. At one point, he got distracted. He got concerned on things he shouldn't have been concerned about with the winds and the waves. But you know what? Jesus was there to catch him. But for all the other 11 disciples in that boat, they're sitting there while Peter gets in, and only he has the story of, I was faithful with what he revealed. And it was amazing. That's where faith comes alive. And you can't be bitter when you're seeing faith come alive. Let me get you to stay in place as we close today. You know, without the band here, without somebody to strum behind me during transition, being able to, to hear actually the chairs close or whatever. So it's just a funny experience. I love this. So every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment of concentration and privacy. The cure is right before you. Let me just be clear, Jesus Christ is our healer. But we also have to put ourselves in the right posture, I believe, at times as well. So if the cure for bitterness is right before you, just self-inventory check. Who is the person in the room? Who's the person that would say, Drew, I've got to rename it. 
situation in my life, I, I've taken one very impactful, but yet one negative thing, and I've built my life around it. I've built the entire season around it. Who is that person today? And who is the person that you would say, I need to rename it? Maybe already mentally you can begin to do that now. Maybe you can just whisper to yourself, this is not an entire season of loss. This is not an entire season of disappointment. This is not an entire season of abandonment. There's still hope there. Who's the person here today? You need to stop making excuses and you need to stop blaming others and you need to begin to own even your part. Let me just be clear. There's a far difference between a victim, which is a real thing, and a victim mentality. A victim tragically has something done to them outside of their control and that's real and I would never discount that. A victim mentality takes that one horrible act and builds an identity and a life around it. You need to stop blaming others. You need to own your part. You need to say, God, who is it today that you need to stop taking your cues on what to do about your bitter situation from others. And you need to ask the one who knows. Stop going with the flow. Stop doing what everybody else is doing. You need, you need to hear from God. And normally at this time, I would, I would offer for elders in our church to pray but I think it's so appropriate right now. You need to hear from God. You need to hear his voice. We'll stand with you. We'll pray with you. We'll offer community for you. But God is an ever-present help as the scriptures teach us. He's an ever-present help for times of trouble. And you need to carve out time in your daily commute in life this week to hear from him seek him. And then finally, who is it today? You're waiting on God to reveal the entire plan. He's just wanting you to take the first step with what he's revealed. Drew, I don't know the next step. He does. Drew, I don't know how it's going to work out. He does. But it's time for you to define this season of disappointment maybe, but define it as one of obedience. Because you're not gonna see what he has in store until you begin to take the steps of what he's revealed. And he loves you enough to ask of you in this moment right now, it is time to take action. Don't rationalize it away. Don't excuse it away. Don't Feel like, don't feel like you will make a decision and make a choice after you've sat down with a group of friends. You know the voice of the Lord. Yes, we seek wise counsel. Of course we do. 
But the voice of the Lord is the voice of the Lord, and what he's spoken to you, you do. Wherever you are with that, the cure for bitterness is there. And before we transition from this part of worship into worshiping through song, I'm just gonna pray right now with you, not for you, but with you, because wherever you are, maybe we can just have a moment of honesty where we pray together. So Jesus, right now, we thank you. Jesus, right now, we love you. Jesus, right now, we worship you. Jesus, right now, thankful. Jesus, for the people in this room who find themselves bitter or close to it. Spirit of God, would you begin to whisper to you begin to whisper to your people the new definition. Give them the word to define it. Give them the words to recall it. Give them the words to go back and say what I called it, that wasn't it. I feel so strongly in this place there so many people you need to read. You need to call it what he says. Mm. Spirit of God, give us the strength and wisdom to be obedient to what you say, courage to follow after it. Jesus Christ, lift your name up in this place. Your words, your hope, your future, your actions what you did on the cross. Jesus, as we leave here today, as we go on to our lunches, to Wheatful of Red Groups, I ask more than anything that your spirit will come alive in your people. As we seek your face, draw you closer and closer. We thank you for everything that you are, everything you speak over us. We thank you you give us the courage to redefine it as you see it. We love you. We thank you. We honor you in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We are here for you in every step of faith you may take. To connect with us, visit our website at radiantmacon.com or online through Facebook and Instagram through searching the handle at radiantmacon. For further details about Jesus, please visit our website, radiantmacon.com slash Jesus. God bless.